This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact handy carrying case and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade the other handle has the saw that comes with it so i use the saw to split the pelvis and i use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out right so uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple very easy and the the knife is sharp and uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. Hey, podcast land. Welcome back to the show. For any of you new people out there, my name is John Hutsmith, and this is the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast. I can't wait to get into the show today, but first I want to give you guys a little update on what's been going on with me. I headed out to our property on Saturday with the old chainsaw, and first thing I did was drive around and check all my trail cameras. I had, I want to say, six out on this property. No, that's not right. More than that. I want to say eight. Somewhere in there. And so I drove around and checked every single one of them. I forgot new batteries. I bought them. I just forgot to take them with me. And so I did not get to put fresh batteries in any of them. Uh, but I did. I picked up a few that weren't in a good spot. I moved some around, put out a couple, uh, checked all, the, all of them, the cards. No big surprises. You know, I had deer on them, but I didn't have like a new buck that showed up or anything like that. Uh, I did learn a little bit. It was really cool just seeing deer move throughout the property. Uh, just going from like early season to the rut and then to late season and then after season, like, you know, the, the biggest deer I had on the property this year, I ended up having him on one, two, three, four different cameras. And the furthest ones were probably close to a mile apart. And so it was really cool seeing him move from one spot to the other. And then the other two cameras I had him on were like in between those two cameras. And so I got to watch him kind of make his shift from one area to the other area, which he did in like early October. And then around around Christmas time, I think, was uh, he actually moved back. And so I was actually hunting him uh, in January. I wanted to hunt him in January, but he had already moved back to where he summered. And so that was an interesting thing to watch couple other bucks, same thing. Uh, the buck, the, if you listen to the episode where I talked about wounding the buck with my muzzleloader, had a few more pictures of him, so it's good to see him still out there and, and uh, just surviving. So that was very encouraging. So that was about all I had with the trail cameras. And then, like I said, I took my chainsaw and I went down into our big deep canyon at the back of my brother's place and went to work on some cedars. And I cut for probably two hours or so enough to give me you know work up a sweat even though it's pretty chilly outside uh cut for about two hours cleared i want to say roughly an acre but the way it kind of laid out there was a little opening on each side of this little section that i cut so it really opened up about two acres and i have at least an one at least one more acre to clear there before i move on to the next spot and i i have 
oh man, I have several spots I want to cut. This year, my goal is to probably get three three of those spots cut in uh, before the 2021 deer season. And so, work my way through that. Uh, I was angry at myself. I saw I saw one really big group of hogs over at my dad's, and I didn't. Or no, I'm sorry. Those I was out of range. And then I saw, I'm pretty sure it was a larger group. I only saw two, but they were right on the edge of the woods and saw two hogs over at my brother's and I didn't have a gun with me at that point. And so lesson learned, I should know better at this point, always have a gun with me, but the hogs got off scot-free. I also discovered over at my dad's, uh, we have some river frontage and we've been losing little bits of land here and there's, you know, the water rises and stuff. And, uh, we had some trees finally growing along the bank and we were real excited about them. We'd actually tried to plant some trees there before just to kind of stabilize the bank to keep it from washing away. But we finally had some just naturally pop up and they're, they were probably four, about four or five years old now at this point. And so they were finally, you know, getting some size on them and, you know, actually doing some good. And I was just driving around and kind of drove down there and a beaver, has gone to town on those trees. I was so angry. Like, we need these trees, again, to help stabilize the bank, and these beavers are just sawing them down as quick as they can. And so I didn't have a chance this weekend, but next time I go back uh, out there, I am definitely taking some traps or guns or something, and I'm going to hunt down these beavers. So that's my new goal for 2021, at least this winter when they're uh, – they are just devastating these poor trees. So, oh, what else? I had planned to do some duck hunting, but that ended up not working out. And by the time this episode drops, duck season will be over. And so, missed my chance there. Uh, I did kill a few ducks this year, but not honestly, not near as many as I usually do. Just kind of the way it worked this year. And uh, you know, when I don't kill uh, a buck until January, it just takes a lot out of my duck hunting time. And so. What else? What else? I guess that's about it. Uh, a lot more I want to do out there uh, and before turkey season, uh, kind of like I talked about on the last podcast, but that's all I've got to do for now. So moving right along into this week's podcast, I've been kind of saving this episode, uh, but I'm ready to get it out there. This is an episode that me and my brother and two of our good childhood buddies recorded on the way home from our 2020 Idaho DIY elk hunt. And so you'll hear a little background noise. Sorry, we were in the truck and I was just basically recording it on my phone. But it's pretty entertaining, I think. Uh, you know, I think everybody can learn a little something. We sure learned a lot on this trip. This trip was a whole lot different than previous years. This was the third time we've done this trip. And then, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it or not, I went to school, went to college in Idaho, actually. So I did quite a bit of elk hunting while I was up there. And so, uh, since, you know, since I graduated, we've gone back a couple times. And this was coming, again, coming home from that trip. And so it's, it's just a fun, it's fun looking back on it and remembering. And the reason I wanted to do this this time of year is because we're kind of going, or we're starting, you know, tag season whether you're applying for tags or you're looking into over-the-counter tags, uh, you know, all that is coming up real soon. So I wanted to let this episode go to kind of hopefully teach y'all something, get the conversation started, and hopefully inspire you to do a little research so you can go on a trip like this uh, yourself. 
So we had a great time. I'm going to let the episode roll. I don't want to ruin any of the stories right now. Um, so yeah, again, this is me, my brother Luke, our friend Ryan, our friend Charles, and then I had an old Idaho buddy, Jasper, who was not on this because he lives in Idaho still, and he was actually still hunting while we recorded this on the way home. So so enough of my yammering. I'm going to go ahead and play this interview again. I'm sorry for the background noise. Like I said, we recorded it in the truck. We had a really long 24-hour drive, and I think that we recorded this somewhere around hour 18 to 20, so we were all pretty exhausted from the drive. But uh, anyway, I think you guys will enjoy it. You may have to turn it up a little bit to hear us talking, but here we are on our drive home from our 2020 Idaho elk hunt. Hey everybody, welcome to the mobile podcast. If you hear a little background noise, that's because we're recording this in the truck on our way home from Idaho. Uh, We've been in the truck about 20 hours already on the way home. Still got about four left to do, so uh, we're a little tired and a little wired, but we want to turn the podcast on and just basically tell you all of our stories and what we learned, what we did wrong, what we did right. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to get right into it. But first, I'm going to let these guys uh, introduce themselves real quick, starting on my left. I'm John's older brother, Luke. I'm Ryan. And I'm uh, John's friend and confidant, Charles. <laughs> and uh, the four of us have known each other since, I don't know, over, 20, over 25 years, really. Uh, we all grew up together. And then, unfortunately, not on the podcast is my good buddy, Nathan Jasper, uh, who spent the week with us. He's from Idaho. He and I met in college, and uh, we meet up and hunt together. So he's not here, unfortunately, but uh, he's actually still out there hunting. So, uh, yeah, we're wishing him luck. But uh, anyway, so uh, just give a quick little background on the trip. Uh, We've been planning this for really about two years. Uh, We tend to go every other year, uh, but uh, two of these guys had to have kids last year, and we were supposed to go, but we didn't get to. So got, got postponed to this year. Um, so yeah, so, uh, we were obviously doing a archery over the counter elk hunt in Idaho and, uh, we packed up and left, uh, on a Friday night. It's about a 24 hour drive. We drove all the way through the night. We got to camp about, I think it was about 11 o'clock when we actually parked up in the mountains, uh, 11 at night. And so, uh, the first night we basically just set up camp. And we decided to sleep in a little bit the next morning. We, we, you know, we only slept about two hours on the way up. So we slept till about eight, got up, made sure all of our gear was good, uh, shot our bows. And one quick thing I wanted to say about that, just how important it is to shoot your bows before you go out after traveling. Uh, two of the four bows needed to be adjusted uh, after the drive. So just want to throw that out there. Always shoot your bow. Oh, yeah, mine was and, off at 20 yards by like, five inches yeah, yeah. So mine was about five or six inches yeah uh so yeah always shoot your bow so we got that stuff dialed about uh probably 10 10 30 something like that and took off out the mountain and so i'm gonna pass to luke luke's gonna kind of run us through the first day a little bit so uh one thing we want to do this year different we uh, usually just kind of set up a camp at the base of the mountain by the pickup and uh, we used to bring this really crappy vault in. We threw it away after the last trip. Uh, so this year we decided to all get backpacking gear and do spike camps out there. Um, we thought it was going to be a big advantage to basically hike hike in 
basically spent the whole first day just hiking into the backcountry. Um, but uh, the route we chose ended up being a little more difficult than we thought. <laughs> uh, we made it to where we were wanting to go. After uh, we, taking a wrong turn. Yeah, after taking a, <laughs> we a little bit of wrong turn. We went up the wrong drainage and quickly turned to plan B, but it worked out. So. And, uh, and eventually made it up to the spot we wanted to, hide, uh, wanted to get to uh, and had a little bit of time to, uh, to hunt that evening from where we were. Um, one thing that we didn't plan out very well was basically we ended up camping in probably kind of a prime spot, sign everywhere, which there was sign all over the place, everywhere we went. Um, uh, I think we all did pretty good, but it was also kind of a shock to the system going from, you know, 500 feet at home, uh, driving all night, and then just immediately throwing on our packs, basically, and heading up, you know, 2,000 feet in elevation. Yeah, from our base camp to where we camped that night was 2,000 feet. And I think we were at 9,500 feet. Yeah, and, and like Luke like said, <laughs> we had just come from 500 feet. And so, quite a shock. Yeah, that was, I, I think even uh, even our Idaho native, Jasper, was huffing and puffing pretty good. And at one time, uh, me and him were kind of up in the front. And uh, he kind of looked at me and was like, uh, screw this, we got to find something different. So, <laughs> we kind of bailed on that drainage and side-hilled up. Uh, another spot to get up to the top of the ridge and then took the top of the ridge up the rest of the way because um, that drainage just got pretty nasty with a lot of downfall and stuff um, but yeah so that was kind of the death hike but you know after after a few days of being up there we ended up making I think all of us at different times made pretty much that exact same hike mm-hmm. um, at, at other times and did it a lot easier so we definitely kind of got our legs under us after the first couple days and, and we're able to do that yeah. so we got up uh it was, i think it was about five o'clock when we got up to the little bench we were going to uh camp on and got our tent set up real quick and then split up for the evening to do some glassing and uh ryan charles and i uh went up and then luke and jasper went down and i'm gonna let ryan tell you all a little bit about what we saw that evening yeah, we got up to uh, really probably the highest point on that ridge line and were able to glass over a meadow. Um, I mean, it was, we pretty well sat down and mm-hmm. spotted some elk kind of in a different drainage and they were feeding out towards the meadow. And uh, at the bottom of that meadow, we saw uh, a little kind of raghorn five point push a cow down into a little bowl uh, and then he ended up coming back out later. What were they, about a thousand yards from us? Yeah, I think we figured out about 1,200 yards. About 1,200 yards. Um, and that was a pretty good sized meadow. I mean, we didn't know that yeah. until we went over there the next day. Yeah, and then those cows, they were in that, kind of that other drainage. They ended up working out into that meadow and we knew or we didn't know, but we figured there had to be a bull with them and Sure enough, finally, um, a bull came out with him, and he was, I mean, we, we never got that close to him, but he was a very good bull. I mean, he was a big, he was big point. His fourths were very noticeable. I mean, they were they were extremely long, so, I mean, he was a 300-plus bull. I mean, he was, he was really nice. Yeah. Um, so that was really exciting, that first evening, seeing, what did we see, Charles, like 15 elk? 
Yeah, I think they're ended up final count being uh, like 13. Yeah, 13. So two bulls, one of them really good, one of them we'd all be happy with. Uh, and so, and we even heard a little bit of calling that night. We had some bulls responding and, you know, bugling. And so, and at that point, I don't think we had seen any other hunters yet. No, we hadn't seen any hunters that no. day. And a couple at the bottom. Like we knew there was yeah, there was a bunch of cans. There, but we yeah, just hadn't, so we passed we a bunch of cans. Maybe we gotten back there, mm-hmm. you know, and we're, we're sitting good. Yeah, and uh, so we had watched the raghorn push a cow into this bowl across the meadow and into this bowl. The bull came back, and then the big bull pushed his cows all the way across back the meadow into that, into that same bowl. Yeah. And so we thought we, you know, we thought we had our position A. The only thing we hadn't figured out was water. Uh, so, it, yeah, it was very, very, very dry this year. And actually, so we were camped on the creek, and we didn't even have water at our camp down at the bottom. It was kind of funny. Like, as you hiked up, you'd be next to the water, and then the water would just disappear. And then you'd come to another spring, and you'd have water, and that one would disappear. And uh, basically, we kept expecting to find another water source, and we didn't. And so, by the time we hiked up to, you know, 2,000 feet, we had already used quite a bit of our water, and we had no chance of getting water up at our camp. And so, we wanted to just dive straight off and go across to where that bull had disappeared to. But you know, we were looking at the maps, and we just we couldn't guarantee that we had water over there. We kind of assumed mm-hmm. in that bowl because we're looking on Onyx, yeah. you could tell there had there, we assumed there was water there, but we weren't really willing to. And I think we mm-hmm. confirmed later there was not. No, there was. No, there was. Yeah, we confirmed later that there was, but at the time we didn't know it. Yeah. So, real quick before we end day one, I want to let Charles tell the story. Ryan actually got a shot at something. <laughs> yeah. I'll let Charles tell Charles that. Charles is still feeling that. <laughs> As we're at the top of this scree, I mean, just a little scree field, looking across, watching these bulls, I take my uh, my binoculars down, and I notice a little head pop up in front of us, and it's a and it's a grouse. And I'm not real well versed in like the different species of grouse, but it's pretty high up there. And so I, I kind of over to these guys. And Ryan had told us on the way up that people have been known to hum rocks and uh, and kill grouse. And so <laughs> I see the look on his face as he picks up a rock as he proceeds. Granted, it was a good throw. He skips it. <laughs> he skips it into the bird, but the bird was able to get away. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but you were at 0 for 3 on grouse? <laughs> well, 0 for 2, but I missed one of them twice. Yeah. <laughs> Bad, badly twice. <laughs> so, uh, so that pretty much ended day one. And so we went back down to camp. Luke and Jasper were there. Uh, had our first, you know, overnight up in the mountains. And it was cool. Uh, woke up the next morning and again we really wanted to get you know we talked about it again maybe trying to go straight to that bowl but we just basically we couldn't risk it we didn't you know if we got over there and there was no water we would be kind of screwed and so we decided that we were going to go down to the bottom get water and then probably head back up uh but we just you know we were we decided to hunt our way down and we we were getting uh responses we were calling and Jasper had kind of warned us. He he hunted the day before we got up there, and he had warned us that they were being a little call shy. And so we were kind of holding back uh, on the bugles at this point, uh, doing a lot of cow calling. And uh, I think that was an understatement. Yeah, yeah. At that yeah, at that time we didn't know how call shy they were. 
Uh, but there was a bull, and I mean, we ended up hearing this bull all week long. Uh, he had like a real weird kind of grunt. He, he never really fully bugled. It was just kind of a weird grunt, or we'd hear him chuckle. And uh, he had a real slow chuckle. Yeah, a real yeah. slow chuckle. Kind of sounded funny. And uh, I wouldn't say we had a close call with him, but we, I mean, he was responding to us. And we hunted our way down, and then just kind of the lower we got, the less interested he got. So got to the bottom, got our water, decided to split up. Uh, Ryan and Jasper uh, headed up one ridge, and I guess did Luke, Luke, did you go with them that second day? I don't remember. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan and Luke, y'all went together, and y'all went up, yeah. and then Jasper and me and Charles decided to go to that meadow where we had seen the elk the night before. Uh, wasn't a terrible hike getting back up there, but it wasn't fun either. It was a lot easier than that first day. Um, a lot easier than the first day. And uh, we decided to split up. Jasper went to the left side of the min- uh, meadow. Charles and I went to the right. Um, and I should also mention, Charles actually did not have an elk tag. Uh, the state of Idaho sold out very quickly this year. Uh, thanks, and so, COVID. Yeah, thanks, COVID. Charles tried to get a deer tag. They had also sold out of deer tags. And so he had a bear tag. Uh, and so he was tagging along being a great sport helping us out looking for a bear um so charles and i make it all the way over to this bowl and we're trying to decide whether we want to set up kind of more on the meadow part or the bowl part we finally decide we're going to set up kind of at the edge of the bowl where we can peek over and look at the meadow and uh all of a sudden we look over and there's another hunter and kind of went in yeah like normal civilian clothes yeah shorts and a t-shirt like, just walk around town clothes. Yep. And uh, he walks up to a tree, probably no more than 50 yards from us, and proceeds to strip down to his underwear and, <laughs> and <My laughs> give himself a little washcloth bath. And I'm sitting there talking to Charles, like, like is he going to sit there? And, and sure enough, like, I see him, and, like, he has boots already under the tree. And he pulls out these boots and puts them on. And so I'm like, the Charles, funny we- thing about the encounter is it is it totally uh, showcases uh, our natural tendencies to react to like adversity. Mm-hmm. John's like giving him the benefit of the doubt. Hey, I'm gonna go talk to this guy, and immediately my deal was like, this guy's pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not moving. Yeah. I don't care what he's doing. John was like, ah, well, he, might, yeah. he had his stuff sitting under that tree. Yeah, I thought he might have just you know went down to get some water or something, but he had pre-positioned so, boots all over the place. Yeah. Oh yeah. So anyway, I let him get dressed, walk over there. And turns out we had walked by his camp on our way up. And this guy, his name was Neil. He was an older gentleman. And he's basically living all of our retirement dreams. Uh, he he got up there August 25th, uh, five days before the opener, and started setting up tree stands and trail cameras. And he's up there for the entire month. Um, and so he had a trail cam down basically in the bowl where all those elk had been going. Uh, but he was a really nice guy. We talked to him. He kind of gave us some pointers, actually. Uh, he said he'd been hunting that area for 25 years. Uh, yep. And, uh, and it was kind of funny. He he told he saw where we were sitting, and he's like, you know, that's not a bad spot. He said, sometimes they'll come in and out of here. But, you know, I usually see him over on the tree line. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, we talked for him a few minutes more. And I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, if we do sit here, are we going to screw anything up? He assured us that no, you know, he was doing his own thing and uh, we were allowed to do whatever we wanted. 
And so we parted ways and he went down to his tree stand and uh, Charles and I talked it over and decided that we were going to stick to what we were doing sitting there in that bowl and you know we were just going to peek over the edge every once in a while and we figured if anything came out in the meadow we'd be able to hear them. Well, based on everything that we saw, because, like, that path where we were at was just worn oh, down yeah. in front of us. Oh, yeah. And we were, what he was saying didn't make as much sense, because from our angle, it just looked like everything else was open. Like, we didn't see any trail or anything, but right in front of us looked like, you know, like an interstate. Yeah. So, it was a... Let's see. We got there at 2.45. I want to say we talked to old Neil at, like, 3.30, and then he went down. So, we'd been sitting there for a good part of the day. And uh, again, you know, we we're mostly just sitting there. Once in a while, we'd peek over the edge. Uh, about five o'clock, I walk up and peek over the edge, and I see two other hunters that are sitting 100 yards from us um, and just sitting on the edge. So I kind of wave at them, and they wave at me. And uh, so then I tell Charles, well, you know, two more, and we're starting to think our meadow is not such a good idea. And then. Uh, few minutes later I look up and I see Jasper at the top of the meadow waving at us he had walked all the way around and long story short sat there the rest of the evening didn't say didn't see anything Jasper comes down we meet up with him and uh he's like man I thought you shot that bull I was like what bull and uh he hadn't seen us yet but apparently a bull came out into the clearing the smaller bull that we had seen the evening before and uh, walked out and couldn't have been 50 yards from us. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Did he come out of the tree line that Neil was talking yeah, about? Yeah, if we were to listen to Neil, we would have killed him. Exactly. Well, the deal was, like, where we were sitting in that bowl, we weren't that top or that far from the top. We just figured everything was going to be in front of us. The wind yeah. was all in our favor that way. And so... You know, we didn't want to bust our spot by moving around too much. But truthfully, if we just stepped, like stepped another, I don't know, five or six feet higher and just stood up, we would have seen it. Yeah. And what we also didn't see is those hunters had come in, come out at that point, right? And spooked the bull because ja- yeah. Jasper was up there watching all this. He he watched the bull come out, and then uh, he watched the bull just basically stop in his tracks, turn around, and run off. And then a few minutes later, those two hunters that I had seen came out. And so, you know, if those hunters hadn't been there, maybe we would have heard him or seen him or, you know, got a shot at him. So uh, so we saw three hunters that day. We get back to camp. Charles, I mean, uh, Luke and Ryan, I think they saw four or six. Six. Six, six hunters. Six hunters that day. In like four different spots, I think. Yeah. Now, we put in some miles. Like, we definitely mm-hmm. were kind of all over the place. Because we kept seeing hunters. Yeah, out and basically food. hunters was the rest of our trip. I yeah. mean, we'd like, that every, first day we didn't see any somehow, but the rest of the trip, every day, multiple times a day. Pretty much until, you know, the last day and a half, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'd pick what we thought would be a good spot and we'd get there and either somebody would already be there or as soon as we sat down, somebody would come strolling past. Yeah. Well, I know we talked about it while we were out there, but did anyone keep an actual tally of how many states we had covered? I was we about to there? bring that up. I mean, oh, we had yeah. Minnesota, New York, Pennsylvania, California. Iowa, California, North Carolina, North Carolina Virginia, Virginia yeah. Nevada. Nevada, I didn't see that we, one. Well, we uh, talked to that Charles Wright, that guy that was glassing, he was from Nevada. Yeah. yeah. Not to mention just the other people from Idaho, you know, yeah. the locals that were there. Um, it's pretty a, good representation. Yeah. And so that was pretty much the, the rest of our trip was hunters. And so 
you know, we just described that was the first full day. So the next day, we're still back in the back country. And well, now, we, wait a second. Huh? What? Luke and I didn't get to talk about oh, our. Oh, sorry. Day. Okay, okay. Y'all talk about y'all's day. Oh, that's we, right. Y'all we had day. a pretty entertaining yeah. encounter. But we, we went up a different drainage, kind of the opposite way. And we ended up, I mean, we had a bull bugling yeah. and a hunter bugling. But it was the same bull that we had been hearing that kind of had that funny chuckle. Funny chuckle. And yeah, so there was me and another hunter calling to the same bull. Um, and actually, you know, we were talking about them being call shy. We're pretty sure that we never actually saw it, but we're pretty sure he had a, a herd with him. Um, and it was really the cows that when they heard uh, any kind of a call, like they were pretty much heading the opposite direction. And of course, that herd bull's going to follow. And so I think if I would have been quiet, he was actually getting closer. I, I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think if I would have just sat there, I think he'd have came right to us. But I started calling, um, and uh, he got, you know, a little bit closer one time, and then, and then started going the opposite direction. So, yeah, but, we had found a cool place to set up. We had kind of found a, a pretty good saddle kind of yeah. transition point into a meadow, but. Again, there, we were we were really kind of surrounded by surrounded by hunters, really. But we decided that Luke had kind of heard where those elk went, and so we started side hilling, trying to kind of get over to that other drainage that it sounded like they went into. And as we're walking, I was in front, and I saw something kind of take off running, and I I kind of dropped down. I looked back at Luke, and I I just said, "Was that a bear?" And he, I mean, he saw it too, and he's like, yeah, I think so. And we got up there, and sure enough, there's a pretty nice black bear standing, what was 65 yeah, yards? Yeah, I ranged him at 61 yards. That that accounted for the incline, because yeah. he ran uphill. So he was probably like 55 yards yeah. straight line distance. And I didn't know that our tag was good for a black bear, though Luke kept telling me <laughs> it was. I was... Uh, unfortunately, I was I was doubting his wisdom, which kind of made me second guess my yeah uh, opinion because it's not like I read it. I just remember Jasper telling us. Yeah, so a, hearsay is the best form of fact. <laughs> just yeah. just to clarify, yeah, a non-resident elk tag in Idaho is you can also shoot a bear, wolf, or cougar with. Right. So yeah. so we were legal to shoot that bear. Now he yeah. didn't have, even though it was a long shot, it would have uh, been a tough shot on that one. And. He actually was kind of behind this uh, pine tree, covering up a lot of his vitals. So it wasn't giving us a real good shot there, but sat there long enough for probably a minute or two. Yeah, just and, staring at us. And let us take some pictures. It was really cool. That's the closest I've ever been to a bear, for and sure. And he got cl- That was what and was then he, he, uh, he uh, actually went kind of to our right at about the same altitude, maybe coming down just a little bit, and then got into some brush and started coming towards us. And... Uh, <laughs> Now I want to know who was protecting who in this situation. <laughs> so which one of y'all had bear spray? Which I, one of y'all? I had knocked an. I think we both knocked an arrow. Oh, okay. I, I had not when he was that far because I knew that I couldn't make that yeah, shot. Yeah, I had knocked an arrow, and then I had the bear spray. But then as he got closer, I was like, "Man, I'm gonna have to shoot that thing." And so I kind of gave the bear spray to Ryan, and he was sitting there. He took the safety off. He was ready, and I was sitting there fiddling with my. We were trying to knock an arrow, and he poked his head out at about 30 yards out of this 32 brush. 32 yards, yeah. Um, and uh, he, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest shot, but he poked his head out and kind of looked at us for a second, 
and then just moseyed, you know, kind of got back down in the brush. Yeah, I never spooked. I never could get ready in time, so we didn't get a shot off on it, but it was a really cool experience. Yeah, yeah um, first time to see a bear. And, you know, I wasn't really nervous when he was just sitting, you know, ran away from us and was sitting there looking at us. As he started, you could see him through the brush kind of coming down to us. That got a little, like, yeah, eh, okay. Yeah, I just expected him to be, to be, like, afraid of us. Yeah. He wasn't at <laughs> he all. He was not. And we weren't, I mean, we were whispering, but, like, there was no doubt. Well, yeah, he, he knew all about us. So. <laughs> yeah, he knew what we were and yeah. was uh, showing us that he was not afraid of us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so then we continued this side hill for a long time and never never did get on those elk. Bumped into two more hunters. They were spike camping up on that. Yeah. In, uh, like probably three, four hundred yards yeah. from us. Yeah, yeah. So that was our eventful you know, yeah. evening. So that ended day two, and uh, we camped down, uh, down at some water that night because we had learned our lesson. Uh, day three, we woke up. Uh, Luke and I went to went and sat over some wallows that we had heard the chuckling bull uh, at the, the basically the morning before he was in that area so we went and sat those walls uh, Charles was all pumped about the bear and oh yeah slightly angry that he wasn't with him <laughs> so, oh, I, I felt a little cheated <laughs> yeah. so uh, Huey and Jasper went up there again looking for the bear slash elk Ryan decided to go to the meadow that we had been at the, the day before, and pretty uneventful morning uh, that morning, pretty quiet. Uh, I'm pretty sure Charles and Jasper bumped into some more hunters. Yeah, we bumped into hunters, and then we were able to actually find that camera that you had put out. Oh, that's right. I left a trail camera up uh, from a visit my wife and I did in late July, I think. Uh, so that was pretty neat. Uh, lots of hunters on the camera. Lots of hunters on the camera. I definitely we ran into too. some of the same guys that... Uh, Luke and Ryan had run into the day before. Yeah. I mean, nice guys, but there was one guy that his group spanned like six or seven different states. Yeah, everybody out there was really cool. Like, yeah, I mean, really nice yeah we didn't have any bad encounters. Um, you know, it, it was frustrating, but I think everybody was kind of equally frustrated mm -hmm. at the situation. And so, you know, nobody nobody was ugly, no, yeah. no fights or anything like that. So I think Luke and I, Luke and I were the first ones back to camp. Uh, we were going to meet back up at lunch. Everybody except for Ryan, he decided he was probably going to spend the day up there at the meadow. Uh, so Luke and I are chilling at camp, and down the trail comes old Neil. And uh, Neil gave us a little, uh, you know, not mean talking to, but basically told us we were camped in a stupid spot <laughs> because we were <laughs> in a little meadow with water, and that's where the elk like to hang out and stuff. And, and it was right but, on the way to his tree yeah, stand. Yeah, right on the way to his tree stand yeah, for the morning. Yeah, but then he, he kind of changed his attitude when we were like, okay, well, there's also a camp over here, yeah. a camp over here, and a camp over yeah, here. Yeah, when we told him about all the other hunters and camps and stuff, he so was kind of like, oh. We were not the biggest problem yeah. in the area. Uh, and then while we were waiting on Charles and Jasper to get back, I, I was just playing on my phone on Onyx looking around and uh, Jasper had sent us some pins of where he had seen some elk, uh, you know, the day before we had got there. And I was looking at one of them and there's basically these two little, I mean, I wouldn't even call them mountains, you know, little hills right off the road. And uh, I kind of had the idea, I was like, man, these look just basically, it looks like a spot that people would overlook. You know, we had overlooked it. Uh, but just judging by all the camps we were seeing in the backcountry, I was like, maybe it's just crazy enough that if we went over, you know, basically right off the road, that nobody else is doing that. So Jasper and Charles come back, 
Uh, I think Jasper, pretty sure Jasper's, you know, I know Jasper saw some elk that morning. Uh, um, yeah, we had, we heard a bugle that we were pretty sure was another hunter, and so we kind of blew it off until we heard that same deep chuckling bull respond to it. Uh, and he was in, he was responding from the same area that we camped in the first day, seemed like. So, Jasper and I made a, made a move towards it, and he was coming down, and that other hunter was staying kind of put where he was at. Uh, anyway, long story short, uh, Jasper went in, but that bull never showed himself, so so we came down. But you know, that, that bull was actually like, you know, he wouldn't let out a full bugle. Yeah. Exactly. But he, he wanted was, to. Like, he was being fairly vocal. Yeah, he was being very vocal. Like, yeah. he would respond to most calls, like, yeah. throughout the day. And, uh, I mean, we all heard him. I think every hunter in that whole area heard him multiple yeah. times. Like, he would let you know that he's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just wasn't going to come to you. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Jasper and Charles get back, and um, we talked to Jasper, and uh, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, you know, maybe we should go try this out. And he was like, yeah. He's like, you know, honestly, I was all for this backcountry stuff, but I also, you know, had seen these up close to the road. So, we... Uh, we head back to the truck, uh, hung out at camp for a minute, and that evening went up to that, uh, we, we, we kind of nicknamed it the Mini Mountain, and uh, Luke, uh, or yeah, Luke and Jasper kind of went to the north side, me and Charles went to the south side, and get up on top, and we had made a plan, basically they were going to go to the north, we were going to go to the south, and we were going to meet on the west side, we walked in from the east, and uh, so we got up to the top, Charles and I got up to the top, and he kind of took one side and I took the other and it was looking pretty elky but we weren't seeing anything and then all of a sudden Luke and Jasper pop up and they got big smiles on their face and they're like what have y'all seen and I said nothing they're like what have y'all not seen anything and uh Luke I'll let you tell what y'all saw up there on top uh so you know we had about a half mile walk from the road kind of till we got to the tree line because this is like John said this is kind of on the edge um, and so on one side was just rolling uh, sage flats as far as you can see. Mm-hmm. And then the mountains kind of started. Uh, so we walked through the sage flats about half a mile, got into the tree line. And we made it maybe 200 yards uh, into the tree line. And uh, there was a fence that separated some kind of grazing boundary. And Yeah, what you all have to understand about Luke is that uh, he's very... Um, keen on what's what's the right word for it? Grazing management. Grazing <laughs> management. There we go. Grazing management. And uh, so he's explaining the finer points <laughs> to Jasper of grazing management <laughs> and how one side of the fence is done right and the other side is wrong. And then Luke, pick up your story. Well, I was just pointing out that the side of the fence that we were not on had better grass. It had obviously uh, not been grazed as recently or as hard. And so that I thought that the elk were more likely to be on that side of the fence. And as I'm saying it, a group of 10 uh, cows, we didn't see a bull with them, but a group of 10 cows popped up at 60 yards and took off, kind of took off running. So if I had just kept my mouth shut, you know, we might have uh, hopefully seen them uh, and got a shot on them, who knows. But uh, it was at least encouraging. That was probably the closest it any of us had gotten 
mm-hmm. to elk at that point. Yeah. And uh, and it didn't look like we just scared them, you know, completely off the mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we decided to kind of him and I split up. He went about another two or three hundred yards up, and uh, and then we just kind of went across the mountain that way. And as we were going across, probably ten minutes after that, um, about a hundred yards in front of me. A, uh, a raghorn. I only saw one side. He had three points on one side. Uh, kind of spooked up. This is middle of the afternoon, so they're all in kind of the bedding area. So we've definitely found, you know, a really good bedding area at this point. And uh, we kind of got out of there as quick as we could because we didn't want to. Uh, we didn't want to disturb the area too much. Um, like I said, we knew we had a bedding area, so now it's just kind of figuring out how to hunt it. Um, and that, so right after that is when we went up. Actually, I take that back. We went to the top of the ridge. Uh, we were about to start. We were kind of making our way over to kind of our rally point with John and Charles and spotted a cow down in the valley. Uh, I spotted it first. And so we kind of came up, me and Jasper came up with a plan. There was, uh, we were probably towards the top of this hill uh, so it was about 400 yards away at the very bottom, and there was a line of kind of sparse trees. Uh, so I started my, making my way down, trying to stop down to it. And uh, Jasper was stayed at the top and tried to get into a position where uh, he could kind of direct me or tell me to stop if if I was drawing too much attention to myself. And uh, got down there, and the elk was not there. Apparently, there was three mule deer does that had seen me and when they saw me moving they they blew out and that spooked the uh the cow away yeah um so but you know in two hours we had seen you know multiple groups of elk and made a play on one of them and again this is probably less than half a mile from the road yeah uh, on these two little hills so so luke and jasper get back up to us and uh, we decided that we're just going to spread out around this ridge and do some classing. And then, uh, you know, they had told us they had bumped some elk. And it was about 20 minutes till dark, 20 to 30 minutes. And I don't know why, but I just like, hey, y'all stay here in class. I was like, I'm going to start easing my way back to the truck. And maybe I can run into some of those elk that y'all bumped. And they agreed to that. And so they spread out. I took off down the hill, you know, moving real slow. And uh, about that time, the thermal switched, so the wind was kind of going downhill. And I'm easing along, and I couldn't see it, but probably 40 yards in front of me, I hear you know footsteps running off, and I, I bumped an elk. You know, again, didn't see it, but that's you know it had to be. And so I pull out my cow call, start kind of cow calling, and uh, still easing my way down. And then down in the uh, in the valley, I hear a bugle. And I was like, I know that's an elk. So I kind of st- pick up my pace a little bit, cow call a little bit, and I hear the bugle again. And I'm like, man, that is not that far away. So now I really pick up my pace, work my way down the ridge, work my way towards the bugle, and I hear another bugle, and it's like, it's right at the road. And so now I'm starting to question myself, and I was actually wondering if it was a guy, you know, parked on the road, bugling up in there, just trying to get a response. Um, but again, I like it, it just sounded like a real elk. And so at this point, I'm just about running. I'm at a pretty good pace heading down and, uh, I kind of get to where the trees stop and I come out into the open 
and I start seeing cows to my left coming out of that valley and so I uh, there's a, two pine trees close together and so I kind of run up to that point and then here comes Mr. Herdbull and he he's not quite as big as the one we saw in the meadow that one night but he's nice definitely big nice six by six and they're like probably 150 yards at this point when I see him so I I'm cow calling I throw my pack down grab my or, uh, my bows in my hand already and uh, they're not really paying attention to my cow calls and they're headed out into the wide open sage flat and so I grab my bugle tube kind of a desperation type thing and I start kicking on this dead tree that's next to me I bugle the bull stops, looks up at me, and again, I'm completely hidden by the pine trees, so it's perfect. So I'm kicking brush, and I'm hitting the tree, bugle again, I'm out of breath, so my bugle's not the best, but, you know, <laughs> I think it worked. And uh, the bull kind of looks up at me again, bugles, turns around, and just starts pushing his cows away from me as fast as he possibly can. How far was he away from you? Uh, he was about 200 yards at that point. And I mean, and like... Like, the cows were literally standing on the road. He was kind of in the ditch right before the road. And, again, it was just wide open in front of me. So, I, I just didn't... There was nothing I could do. I just had to sit there and watch him work their way out into the flats. And uh, I watched him for a good 10 minutes. And then uh, these other guys came down the hill. And I pointed... They, you know, they had worked off further. They were probably half a mile away. Basically worked their way down into a wide open little drainage that had a little creek in it. And took off we so had, we had stopped on the ridge line because we heard the bugling back and forth and we knew yeah. that that was john bugling to another yeah. pole and so we wanted to make sure we didn't screw up john's hunt so we stopped and waited there for about 10 minutes and just slowly started making our way down there yeah we met up with him. and again like i i keep trying to think back and think if there's anything i could have done different and i really don't know i mean i think i just yeah i, I think i was too far to bugle for the bugle to work you know i think the already being call shy i think you know if i would have been 100 yards closer i think he would have had to come check me out but just being at that 200 yard mark mark you know he just it was easier for him to push his cows away than to come fight me and so. it, it really uh and also we weren't familiar with that area at all right yeah that was our first really time in there it. um so we didn't do a lot of scouting in that that spot because we were like oh it's right next to the road every Tom, Dick, and Harry's going to be yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, Ryan did have another encounter that evening. Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, the, the guys had told me that the hike up to the meadow was no big deal. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. And so I, the only difference was I had my full pack on. Yeah. And it, it, it was a bit of a brutal hike up. It wasn't too bad. Just a lot of, a lot of blow down through there. But I got up there, I don't know, maybe 1030 didn't hear anything on my way up didn't see anything so I kind of got to a spot that I think Neil had told us was kind of an elk highway and sure enough I mean there was a couple of really good game trails up there and so I found a spot at the top of the bowl was going to sit there and just kind of see if anything happened and I decided while I was sitting there I was going to try to hike up to the very top to see if I could call my wife and check in and I get up there I had some signal I call her there was a mountain goat. Oh gosh, I don't know. He was probably seven or eight hundred yards away. So I was taking some pictures of him, and was just kind of standing there on this big, you know, big rock basically. And then all of a sudden, about fifteen yards behind me, I just kind of hear this. I don't even know what the sound was. Kind of a 
grunt growl thing and I turn around and there's another stinking bear <laughs> 15 yards but luckily I think we both if, if he was wearing pants he probably would have needed to change them too we, I think we both scared each other pretty good so he took off running and I jumped off of that rock and started heading downhill if it was a grizzly bear probably be dead. No, I'd have fought him. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, up, was he was he black? No. No, color, he was color phase. Yeah, he was a color phase, which that was probably some of my fear. All I saw was a brown fur ball and I was like, <laughs> man, I hope that's not a grizzly, but it wasn't it wasn't near yeah. big enough to be a grizzly. Yeah. And go going into the trip, you know, we had done some research and asked around and like there there definitely was not a grizzly population in the area we were at but several people agreed that there was a possibility that there yeah, could be a grizzly be in the area yeah, like yeah like it would not range. be a surprise if we saw a grizzly so yeah so that I, that was definitely the most excitement i had that day I, I sat there all afternoon and there was again that you know i had a, there was a bull bugling kind of in the drainage across the meadow he was going back and forth with another hunter but I just, I was kind of hoping that that hunter might end up pushing that bull and his cows out into the meadow and come down into that bowl, but I never saw him. And so I, I finally, I packed up and headed down. I ended up, I didn't see anything that day other than the bear and goat. So we're going to run out of time if we keep going uh, day by day like this. And really that was honestly, that was just about the end of the excitement. You know, we... We did see some more cows. We hunted the mini mountain the next day. Was, hey, we we if Charles and I weren't a bunch of morons, we could have we had a <laughs> well, chance. Right. Yeah. So we Charles and I <laughs> go back to the mini mountain that next morning, and we go and we set up on the south side. And for some reason, it just never struck us to look in front of us. <laughs> Well, <laughs> to, 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 so be we to be prepared to shoot. To be prepared at all. Yeah. So we're sitting on top of the ridge, totally, you know, skyline. skyline. And we're just glassing. I never put an arrow on, never got my release out. I got bored because we I haven't seen a bear yet. I'm Ryan has seen two. And I figured <laughs> so, if I And that's why it, Charles and Ryan are together. I Charles think, had decided that Ryan was the bear magnet. Yeah. And so he just followed him around the rest of yeah. the trip. And so I sit down and start playing games on my phone. Ryan is glassing at like a mile away. Yeah. And yeah. I I say to him, Hey, do you hear that? And he was like, No, I didn't hear it. And I was like, Ah, okay. I guess I'll just go back to playing my games. <laughs> And I say it again as I turn around, I see the look on his face. And in an instant, it goes from 100% happiness and excitement to the next instant being totally down in the dumps. Yeah, he just kicked his dog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We had, Charles had said, do you hear that? And as soon as I look at him, I can see a cow. What, what was she, 63, 63 yards away? They had just stepped out of this clearing right in front of us. And she would, I mean, she had us pegged the moment she stepped out there. And so we sat there for a couple minutes with her. And she even, she came out a little further. She had a calf with her and couldn't find out nine other cows with her. And yeah, just a, just a bonehead move. If we had just moved down a little bit, gotten behind a cedar, I think we would have we would at least had a better opportunity at her. Yeah. 
The upside yeah. to having my phone out is I got a video of them running away. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And we we did see some more elk. Uh, most of it was at a distance from then on. Uh, we uh, we split up. We you know Ryan and Jasper. I, we did another big hike to the top over uh, top uh, on top of some meadows. Uh, Ryan spotted an awesome deadhead that's now in the back of the truck and about to go over my fireplace. Uh, Luke and Charles went up after the bears again. Um, found a cool den. Yeah, some they den. found a, some kind of den. Luke stuck his face in it. Oh, <laughs> I did get probably, it was not a wise choice how close I got. Um, but Charles was, had him covered. I think it was a lion's den based yeah. on the tracks. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so switching switching out of story time and into more, I don't know, tactics time, I guess. So next time, let's say next time, what would you guys do differently? Uh, I'm going to say like going into the trip, like about to leave home, what would you do or would you have done at that point? Luke, we'll start with you. Sorry, throwing him on the spot here. I'm sure I'm going to... Uh, step on you guys' toes, but I think having a little bit better understanding of the area. So this is a new spot for us. We've previously been going to a different area, uh, and the, the other unit that we went to in that that area, there was not near as much road access, mm-hmm. and so you really could get way back in there and kind of get to where a lot of the action was. Um, and we had success at that other one. I mean, this is the first trip we've been shut out yeah. on. Uh, I, I think there was m- probably more elk here. Yes. But I think we did a better. Lot more sign. Like you couldn't yeah. walk through the woods for, you know, Rough. 15 minutes without seeing a rub yeah. um, or a well defined game trail. Mm-hmm. But but the hunting was tougher because of the roads and the pressure. Yeah. So, you know, we were prepared to do spike camps and basically live out of our backpacks um, because we were basing it off of the last place that we went. But this place. Um, was you know more conducive to basically just hunting out of the truck or, or hunting from you know the truck and, and from your base camp. Lots of guys with four wheelers and ATVs oh, yeah. zooming so, all over the place. And so because of, there was so much better road access and a lot of game there, uh, you know it was much more crowded. I'm sure COVID didn't help us any. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having a little bit better understanding of the area that we were going to go, uh, I felt like you know all of us did at least some scouting from you know onyx and google earth um but i guess none of us really considered that part of it yeah ryan what about you yeah i mean i think it goes along with that it's it's the um trying to look more for those you know defined trails and everything that we were reading was saying if you can just get away from the road then you can get into some of those good bulls and I think again our, our problem was once we once we got there and we realized we really couldn't get away from the roads there mm-hmm. uh, and so that was yeah just something I think going forward um, we'll just have to look at I'm, I would like to look at at least more closely as yeah. if we're wanting to really do a, a backcountry hunt find a place that really allows you to do that yeah it's a little more conducive for that yeah yeah um, i mean part of that's just public land hunting you yeah know, it's just hard that's one of the challenges of it yeah charles i think well i think there's a lot of things so this is the first hunt uh western hunt that i've been on with y'all and um 
I think I planned for a lot of contingencies that didn't necessarily come to fruition. I probably would have a much more focused plan when I packed. And an uh, L-tab. <laughs> including <laughs> buying my tag earlier. But, like, uh, there was a lot of gear that I brought that I never used yeah. just because we didn't need to use it. Right. And that just kind of comes with experience. Yeah. First time. but 100%. So, like, <laughs> the first 20 hours of our trip has been planning my uh, Christmas and birthday wish lists, <laughs> yeah. you know, for next year. Yeah. Just to have some gear that's more conducive, but at the same time, like, my own training. So, me personally, I like to you know, strength train more than I like to condition. And I was not prepared nearly as well as y'all were for the, the vertical uh, trek that was there. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's probably what I would do more. Yeah. Me, I, I, my conditioning definitely wasn't where I wanted it to be. I did better than I expected, honestly. Um, but I, I feel like you could never be in good enough shape, especially living where we live and trying to hunt where we hunted. Yeah, the altitude's um, always going to be a battle. Yeah, and I think for me, I mean, kind of a long, you know, obviously we keep saying it, the people, or at least we keep blaming it on the people being the problem. Uh, I think when we were checking the area out, you know, we were saying, hey, like, you know, if this drainage didn't work out, we can go to this drainage or that drainage. I think we need to be more prepared to go from this side of the mountain to that side of the mountain. You know, loading up in the truck and, you know, moving completely if it's yeah. not working out. And I, I I, felt like I had that thought in my mind going into this trip. But, you know, you get to a spot, you start learning it, you feel comfortable, you get to know the area, and you, and you just get attached. And I feel like, I feel like getting attached kind of led to our downfall because like you know the first three days were pretty action-packed but then the next day got worse next day got worse and the last day got worse and so you know having that open mind just completely packing up and going somewhere else i think is going to be the takeaway i get you know i think another takeaway and i don't know yet the solution for this but we ended up being so tied to water yeah yeah and Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's, um, you know, taking a bigger bladder, that that way I've got two bottles and a bladder, or I, I don't know exactly what, the, or just finding a place that's got more yeah. water. Not, not filling up at the uh, yeah. at cow pond. Cow pond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so that, that was a bit of a, again, I, I wasn't really expecting yeah. that, that problem to affect us so much, but... You know, we had a chance that we saw a really big bull yeah. that we ended up not really being able to go after mm-hmm. like we wanted to because of water. Right. Um, and so, I, again, I, I don't know yet exactly the, the solution there because you don't yeah. want to, you can't pack in. Right, you, know, you can't weigh yourself down that yeah. much. Yeah. Well, I think that that's kind of part of what I was getting at. You know, if we could just carry more water and then I carry, you know, more uh, versatile uh, clothes versus like specific clothes to every contingency mm-hmm. then it would open up space in my pack as well as you know not be a one for one trade but if it's you know an extra five pounds that's doable if my conditioning's there yeah. you know and, it, and if more conditioning's there I guess but I don't know I would say one uh, one positive for the trip um, is and, and one thing that I like about doing these western hunts because they're earlier then you know we're all whitetail hunters 
and so our season hasn't opened yet and so it kind of helps give at least me like really in the mindset and it, a little more excited for our season to start and like I already have some things that I need to work on whitetail I've been you know spending half this drive uh, shopping for mm-hmm. some different stuff equipment that I think I could use and so it's, it's kind of helped get me in the mindset of hunting season yeah. right around the corner um, it got me practicing earlier mm-hmm. um, so you know that's that's a really it was good tune up yeah. yeah 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 the other I mean as far as like good things that we did though takeaways like since we've known each other for so long nonverbal communication we were when we were at a distance <laughs> yeah was really good yeah I, that you was kind of crazy I remember one time I think I think I was looking at Ryan and we had like left yeah it was when we were talking to that bull on the on the second morning and uh, we had dropped our packs and headed down a little bit and Jasper and Charles were up top kind of calling for us and me and Luke and Ryan had gone down I remember like looking at Ryan making eye contact with Ryan like pointing up the hill pointing at my back and then giving like little walking fingers <laughs> like being like I'm going to go get my pack then we're going to go down then we're going to keep going down and I know exactly what he meant yeah and uh didn't tell me and then what happened a few seconds later i show up with your back yeah Luke brought me my bag it was great so uh, so we're about to run out of time but i got one more quick question everybody loves to talk about gear so i want everybody to name one piece of gear they were glad they had uh, or just worked best for you and one piece of gear you would either exchange or wish you had uh we'll go the other way we'll start with charles charles probably has a long list uh, the gear that I would change out, so when I bought my pack, I bought, um, like, straps that would go directly from my pack to my binos, and it just limited me as far as, uh, when I would set my pack down, like, taking my binos, I'd have to, like, carry them or just kind of, oh, do a quick fix with some paracord to tie them to myself. It just wasn't very comfortable if we were going on, like, a longer stock. So, that's one thing that, uh... You know that I wasn't super happy with the thing that that I loved that I know y'all are gonna probably be like oh yeah whatever but I hate iodine tablets <laughs> and so that Sawyer system yeah of the squeeze system it's a cheap deal that <laughs> frankly I didn't even pay for it <laughs> thanks Ryan yeah uh, but that was a lifesaver yeah like even the smallest stream you know I could get water from yeah so. you're uh your cow pond water was slightly less brown than mine was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and no floaties. <laughs> no floaties. <laughs> Ryan? I was very pleased with my feet. My, yeah. I had the darn tough socks, and my my feet stayed very comfortable, stayed dry, which I was really impressed with. And my boots, I had a pair of crispy boots that I just thought did really well. They were, like, light enough that... I didn't feel like they were weighing me down, but they were aggressive enough for some of the kind of nasty side hilling and, you know, different stuff. So I was I was very uh, pleased with that. I think my sleep system would be kind of the one thing I wouldn't mind changing. My sleeping pad is not very not very nice. It's small, and it, it doesn't... All it really does is separate me from the cold ground. It doesn't really provide much cushion, but it, I mean, it was fine. I can, I'd use it again, but... I wouldn't mind maybe upgrading that. And my bag was a little cool, but I just slept in all my clothes and it was fine. You know? But that would probably be the one thing I, I might 
center changing out. Other than that, I, I was pretty pleased with all my, all my gear. Luke? Uh, so I guess it's kind of a little more on the camping, backpacking topic than hunting, but uh, the opposite of what Ryan said, my <laughs> sleeping pad was awesome. <laughs> Everybody was jealous about it. Uh, it was a Nemo, I don't know the model, but it had like, basically the pillow is like a little air pump that you step on and it fills it up, which was pretty awesome after climbing 9,000 feet and then uh, being out of breath and barely enough lung capacity to stand up and not having to blow that mattress up and keep me off the ground and helped with the rocks. Uh, the thing that I would get is a bino harness. So, you know, I'm on a budget and I've had to buy a lot of this equipment. Um, and this is kind of a, you know, it's a DIY, um, over the counter kind of hunt. Uh, so I did not spend the money on a bino harness because I really don't need that with uh, the normal hunting, whitetail hunting that we do. But, you know, those binos like just flopping all over the place was not very comfortable. Yeah. Man, I feel like I see a lot of uh, common grounds here. But for me, uh, the thing I would change is definitely my sleep system. Not that I, I, I was very comfortable and I was very warm. It was just bulky. Uh, I have a pretty nice Kelty zero-degree bag, so I was plenty warm. But it just took up so much room in my pack. Uh, and then my pad, again, it was like a you know blow-up pad. And so it was very comfortable. But... I, like I had to pack so carefully just because those two things took up almost half my pack uh, so I, I would have to like fold up my pad and put it in there first and then you know get my bag as tight as I could and stuff it down in there and then just kind of put everything on top of it um, can we just give a shameless plug for our tent the, yeah oh, I was about to I actually just are, thought of that yeah awesome. uh, Ryan and I were both using the Lux I believe that's how you pronounce it TP L-U-X-E uh, and man, they were awesome. It's about a hundred and thirty dollar. Yep. Lightweight, super lightweight, super easy to set up. Very quick. Uh, it has a door on both sides, which was very nice. You could put you know your gear on one side, sleep on the other. Uh, so yeah, definitely a shout out to that. I was trying to decide between uh, the tent and my bag. Uh, got a new bag this year. It's a Stone Glacier, I believe. It's the Evo forty sixty maybe. I'll have to double check that, uh, but just having a, you know, when I got it, I almost thought it was going to be too big, but again, you know, with the sleep system, tent, water, you know, on, on top of all the just gear, hunting gear, food, and everything, uh, just having that giant bag was very nice, and, but also, you know, when you took all your camping stuff out, you could cinch it down, uh, there were several times when I put my bow on the back, strapped it down, it didn't move, um, so yeah, I think for me... I'd like to adjust my sleeping stuff, and uh, I was really proud of my tent and my pack. So, can I can I say one thing though? Like, Go for it. So all of our things, equipment-wise, that we would change, all revolve around. Oh, sorry, our, folks, we got a Mustang here. Hold on. <laughs> I gotta go ahead, Lee. Everything that we're talking about revolves around our backpacking experience. Right. And I just think it's awesome that we can <clears throat> get out of our comfort zone. So, like this. Mm -hmm. is not something that we're used to doing in right. North Texas and Southeast yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah, we're flatlanders. <laughs> yeah. We're the we're the park the truck and walk, you know, 100, 200 yards to the tree stand. Yeah, so it's just so. really cool to get out of our comfort zone, learn a new type of hunting. You know, we're not steel hunters. Um, and so I think it's, it's really cool to just expand our horizon and 
I know I learned a ton on the trip. I do every time we go. Um, and so that's just, I don't know, that's a cool thing. And I'd encourage other people to uh, just get out there and try something new. Absolutely. Don't go to our spot. Yeah, yeah don't, don't go, go to our spot. <laughs> yeah, Idaho sucks. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and uh, and again, you know, this is completely DIY. You know, this trip is not that expensive for those of you who want to try it sometime. You know, just look into it. You don't have to go to Idaho. There's plenty of states you can do over the counter. Um, and yeah, really encourage you to get out there and try it. We had a blast. You know, we're coming home somewhat empty-handed, but we had a lot of fun, a lot of experiences. We do have we do have a rack in the back. You know, we found the deadhead. And we're bringing it home. Uh, we heard from Jasper about an hour ago. He's still hunting. He just missed a cow at 45 yards. So he's pretty bummed, but he's still out there. I think he's hunting this evening and tomorrow morning before he he heads home. So, But, uh, yeah, I think this is a great time, great podcast. I'm sure all you guys had fun. And, uh, yeah, I think we're just going to shut her down. So sorry again for the noise, and we'll see you guys next time. And there we go, our 2020 Idaho elk hunt. I hope you guys could understand all that. It was a great time, great hunt. It was uh, it was really fun recapping all that, all the stories. We had a great hunt overall. It was just very challenging from the terrain, the weather, the people. Uh, you know, I think we said in there probably too many times that there just seemed to be more people than we'd ever encountered before. But again, I would encourage all of you guys to do some research and look into one of these hunts. They're really not as expensive or complicated as everybody thinks. And so with a little research, and there's tons and tons of resources out there to to find all this stuff and in the different states. And yeah, I just encourage you to, you know, even if you had to save up a little bit for a year or two, it's, yeah, it's totally worth it just to get out there throw yourself in a different environment and try something new. So with that said, I'm running a little bit over, so I'm going to let you guys go. I hope you guys enjoyed it and tune in next week for another edition of the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast.